Proverbs, the 31st chapter. Uh, we'll be studying uh, from there this evening. If you go to our website, mountjuliet.org, you'll notice on the left side that you can click on pictures that show uh, some of the most recent work that's been done in Purlington, Mississippi, that our work with that particular town began through the Katrina relief efforts. But this latest work has been to build a church building. Now, this isn't to rebuild a church building. There was never a congregation of the Church of Christ in that little community until now, through the work of the relief efforts of Katrina, individuals have been converted to Christ. And now, many of uh, some of our uh, from our own congregation have gone down the last few weeks. Others from other areas in Middle Tennessee have gone down. And today, that church met in their building, in their own community, for the very first time. And what a wonderful, wonderful mark in the history of that community. Think of the good that can be done over the next century if the Lord wills time. And it'll be because, in part, to such a disaster as Katrina. Uh, but God's love was shown. People were converted. And now they have a place uh, to worship. Those of you that have been part of that work, uh, we owe a great debt of gratitude to you. We appreciate uh, you so much. Several of you have given so much of your time and your heart and your energy. Be sure to visit the website and, and look at those pictures. And also, let's be prayerful uh, for that small congregation and the good things uh, that can no doubt happen in time as God blesses them. And, and let's be a part of, in, in every way that we can, to encourage them and support them. Let's find our place and let's give our all to God and whatever ability and opportunities that He gives us. Soon, just a few weeks, about 60 of us will go north and we'll meet in a congregation for a week-long campaign. And this particular congregation that we'll be working with has only been meeting since the first Sunday in April. And so, you know, when, when we look around, uh, sometimes we hear people that seem down on the church and, and things are just falling apart and, and what's happening. Well, that's not all true by any means. There's a lot of good things happening. Uh, something this Sunday south of us and something north of us. Great things are happening. Let's be a part of it in every way that we can. A little boy for the first time understood in Bible class exactly how Eve was created. He was just intrigued with the idea that God put Adam into a deep sleep and took one of his ribs out of him and created Eve. Later on that week, he had run around outside playing so long that his side began to hurt. He came in and he laid down and he was holding his side. Mother came over and said, son, what, what's wrong? Is something wrong? He says, mom, I think I'm having a wife. <laughs> now, as strange as that may seem of, of how to have a wife, it's almost that strange the way some young men do pick out their wife. It might go something like this. They give very little thought to who they might date. In other words, just at a drop of a hat, they would go out with almost anybody. And then, one of the people that they just happened to go out with, they begin to go out with more than once. And after they go out a few months, they start declaring that they love each other. And they love each other for a few months or a few years, and then what do you do? Well, the American way is that if you've dated a while and you love each other, you just get married. Love is a, not a very good reason to get married not love alone. And the idea of just dating aimlessly is pretty silly too. 
How many individuals this year will get married and they will have put no thought, no plan, no purpose to whom they're going to marry? It just evolved. Maybe it evolved out of a series of mistakes, but it just evolved. I want to challenge our young people tonight. I want to challenge all of us to think about our life and let's make sure that we do things intentionally. But especially as we look at Proverbs, the 31st chapter, I want to challenge especially our young men. I want to encourage you to have a plan about who you'll date. I want you to have a plan about who you'll marry. I know for some of you it's going to be a lot of years down the road, but it doesn't matter. We still need to have our plan and we need to work our plan. Proverbs 31st chapter is oftentimes stated as the great chapter in the Bible that is written to women. Now, friends, we can teach this chapter to a ladies' class or we could teach it to women, and it would be a tremendous application. But let's be honest with the text. Proverbs 31 was not written to a group of women. Proverbs, the 31st chapter, was written to a son telling him what kind of woman that he should find to be his wife. Let's begin this lesson tonight, and we'll see how far we can get into this lesson. Uh, by way of introduction, we'll spend a little less time on the first three points, and then depending how our time goes, we'll spend either more time tonight or another time on the last point, which is pretty much the 10th verse and on. But back up with me, if you will, to the 31st ch chapter and verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. You see, here is a king, and he says... I remember what my mother taught me. And when we see what is taught here, we know that she taught him this before he was married. Apparently before he became a man. In other words, and this is why we're studying this today, Mother's Day. Here was a mother that had a plan for her son. She intended for her son not to be overtaken in the things that can destroy a good life. And she encouraged her son to take into his life the things that could build up a good life. Here's how the outline goes of this chapter. The wrong women and the wrong drink destroys a good life. The right actions and the right woman builds a great life. That's what she taught her son before apparently he was a man. Before he chose that set path in life. Before he married. And so the challenge for all of us, application that will help us in many ways, but especially for our young people tonight. Of course, if you're a young lady, uh, the, the application is that there are things that you can learn about what you need to be to be that woman that's worthy uh, of a godly relationship. Our young men need to be that young man that's worthy of a godly relationship. And so as we look at this, let's begin now at verse 2. What, my son? What, my son of my womb? What, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. The way of a woman and the way of a man is that she is powerful. Women in many ways are the cornerstone of our society. Women that have bad habits, women that are immoral, women that choose to use what could be a great power in a seductive way destroys good lives. That's what the mother's saying here. And friends, we've all seen it if we've lived any length of time. We've seen presidents suffer huge reputation because of the power of a woman. We've seen CEOs of companies be fired because of the power of a woman. 
We have seen men that at one time had squeaky clean reputations marred deeply because of the power of a woman. We have seen individuals that if you were to ask them, list the things that are the most important in your life. They could have made a list of God, wife, children, job, reputation. And they might have said, those are the things that are most important to me. And yet the wrong woman start empowering the life of that man. And he'll give up every one of those things for the wrong woman. Now, I don't know if that goes over the head of our youth, but it shouldn't. That's something you need to dwell upon. And you need to realize the influence that others can have in your life and make sure that you will not allow the wrong people to power your life. Instead, empower your life by the will of God. Some examples of this. If you'll drop back with me to, to Proverbs, the uh, fifth chapter, and then we'll drop over to the seventh chapter. And this, there's not a screen on this. But as we look at Proverbs... And, and by the way, as we go to the next slide, you'll see kind of an outline of where we're going uh, in these first uh, three introductory points. Uh, in Proverbs, the fifth chapter, which the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapter is primarily a writing where Solomon's writing to his son, another father to son. What we're studying tonight is our text is a mother to a son. But here it's a father to a son, and he's warning him about how women can destroy his life. Now, the irony of all of this is that the warning he gave, Solomon didn't heed in his old life. His heart left God, and he began to worship idols because he followed his heathen wives into that. And we never read of Solomon repenting of that. And so it's a strange irony that the very thing he warned his son against, at least with the bad or the poor influence that, that ungodly women can have in your life, and he fell prey to it. So that shows us how powerful, wise individuals, if they don't guard their life, how they can mess things up. Let's just scan a few things. We'd have to read the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapter to see the whole story. But let's notice some warnings here about when a, a woman has a mindset to, to pull a man into fornication or adultery. For example, in verse 3 of the 5th chapter, for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Now notice the path with this woman. Her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Now we have to take ourselves out of the American mindset here. The American mindset, if you watch television, if, if you talk to neighbors or peers, the American mindset is fornication's cool. Fornication is the way to live. That, that's just normal. And yet God says, wait a minute, fornication is literally the steps into hell. Now I have to decide if I'm going to live a spiritual life or an Americanized social life. What, what America says, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody's doing it. God says, yeah, if these steps right here were leading to hell, you could call these steps the walk with that immoral woman. Now, if I really believe that, then I'm going to take notice that I need to recognize who is it that would pull me down that path. Now, I'm sure that if Solomon would have been writing to a daughter, he would have given the same warning to daughters to watch out for men that would pull you down that pathway. But let's drop over to the seventh chapter. In the seventh chapter, we see uh, verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding. Now see, Solomon is intending on teaching his son so his son won't be this young man. 
Did you get the picture he's painting there? He says, one day I just peeked through my lattice and I watched a young man and he came down a pathway in life and this young man, he should have had someone train him in his life. He should have had someone to give him. The warning he's going to give is, I want to show you the kind of women you don't walk in their pathway because they'll destroy your life. That's what the king's mother is saying to him. You give your life over to the power of this kind of woman and your life will be destroyed. Now notice what kind of woman this was. Uh, verse 8, passing along the street near a corner, and he took the path to her house. You see, that was his mistake. It's the twilight and the evening, the black, the dark night, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Look at 13. She caught him and kissed him. And skip over to verse 17. She says, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of the love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Look at 21. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Now, how would this be described? God would describe it like this. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver as the bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Our society doesn't tell you that it'll cost your life, but God does. Let's read on. Now therefore listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. You see, it was his heart that put his feet on the path that led to her house. And so he's saying, listen to me. Don't put your heart on that, that pathway. Do not stray into her path, for she has cast down many wounded. Now, we've been reading down this far, because I want you to see this phrase right here. And all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Solomon, tell us who could fall prey to this. Only the weak men? No. A woman with this kind of heart can pull down strong men. But the end is always the same. It's the end of destruction. 1 Corinthians 6 chapter teaches us that fornicators and adulterers will inherit hell. They cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so it is. It's a path of destruction. What's destroyed? A man's integrity is destroyed. His loyalty is destroyed. His reputation is destroyed. Oftentimes his family is destroyed. Many times his work is destroyed. The work that he could do in the kingdom, that reputation, at least for a period of time, is destroyed. So much is destroyed at the hands of a woman who, according to the 30th chapter, once she does this, it's like her eating a meal. In the 30th chapter, the adulterous woman, look at verse 20, 30 and 20. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wickedness. You see... We can't expect anything wise out of a woman that would lead us in this way. Her flattery. Guys, please get this point. The passage we just left in the seventh chapter, why did she offer words of flattery? It's for one reason. To lead you into her house. There's nothing sincere about it. She'd say it to one man, 
And a few hours later, she'd say it to another man. Or the next evening, she would say it to another man. Be careful what kind of woman that you allow to strike your heart. This lady we just read about, there was a way she looked, there was a way she spoke, there was a way she smelled. Even in another verse that we didn't read, there was a way she kissed. Be careful about a woman who has motives to lead us into fornication and adultery. She's powerful. God says she's powerful. And I'd be a fool to argue with God on that. But notice as we go back to Proverbs, the 31st chapter, that was the warning that the mother gave. And and hopefully that's a warning that your mothers are giving you. And, And hopefully that they are talking straight to you because your mother knows women better than you do. All right. Look at at verse 4. It's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princesses intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Notice it's for the strong It's for the ones that want to become kings. It's for the ones that want to have a focus in life. They would not allow their life to be overtaken by such things as wine or alcohol. In the 20th chapter, in the 20th chapter, and we could go over that same list of things that we talked about a while ago, about God and family and uh, wife and children and jobs and reputation and strong men have lost all of those things because they gave their life over to addictive substances. When we look in Proverbs, the 20th chapter, uh, notice verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. Whoever is led astray is not wise. Now let's break this down and let's ask this question. If you had the decision to invite someone to go with you for a few days, and they were just going to hang with you for a few days, but they, you knew they were going to mock you. Every time you got in public, they were going to make you look like a fool. They were going to make so much fun of you, everybody around was going to be laughing. Oh, and not only that, they were a brawler. They would bust your nose. They'd black your eyes. They would make your eyes bloodshot. Uh, They might make you sick at your stomach. There's just a multitude of things this brawler would do. And not only that, this person's a leader. You think you're a leader, but if you're going to run with this person, this person's going to lead you. You don't have a choice about that. If you're going to run with this person, they're going to lead you. And according to this verse, if you let them lead you, they're going to lead you astray and you're not wise. Now, that's what happens when we decide to go with the buddy system of alcohol. That's it. Now, that's God's description. That's the buddy system of alcohol. You want to let wine be a part of your life? You've invited a mocker. You've invited a brawler. You've invited someone that will lead your life. That's a dangerous buddy to invite into your life. That's why the kings, or that's why the mother of a king gave her son such serious warning. You can't be a strong and effective king and allow a substance like that to control your life. Look with me, if you will, to the 23rd chapter. The 23rd chapter, Solomon writes more about this topic. We're not going to read the whole uh, passage here. I hope you guys will make note in your Bible, and I hope you'll go back and read the 23rd chapter, especially beginning at verse 20, where he says, Do not mix the... Uh, with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat. He gives strong warning in 26, 27, and 28 about the wrong kind of women again. He, he calls the, 
a seductress in 27, a narrow pit. And in 28, she says she also lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. You see, again, he's describing women that fornication or adultery is their way of life. And it's like, he says it's like a tally system. Satan is simply using them to destroy lives. And, uh, and, I'm, and again, I'm not saying that there's no men that, that don't do this either, but Solomon's writing to his son here. And if a man is doing that very same thing, he's just as guilty as a woman that's doing it. But here, he's writing to his son, and he says, you have to watch out for the people that that's their view of fornication and adultery, that it's no biggie. Satan uses those people to destroy People that are not prudent, people that are not wise. But now we're back to the topic of alcohol. And notice in 31, do not look on the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup. What's it going to happen? 32, it bites like a poisonous snake. And then when he talks about the eyes that are going to do things, the heart in 33 is going to be perverse. And you're going to be 34 like a man that's on the mast of a ship. In other words, you're going to walk staggered. You're going to throw up. Uh, Then um, 35, you're going to be hit. But you don't know where it came from. And finally, at the end of 35, when you wake up, here we see the addiction. We wake up, and the answer is, or the question is, uh, I want to seek another. When can we have another? So here's something that's just destroying a person's life. And their question is, when can I have another drink? Here the mother writes to her son, or the son records what the mother has taught him. And, And the mother says, watch out for the the women that destroy your life. Watch out for the drink that will destroy your life. But then speaks of something very positive. Look in 31 as we skip down in verse 8 and 9. He says, Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. See here, she's saying to her son, I want you to begin now being a young man that you'll speak up when there's no one else to speak up for someone who's being mistreated. When, when you see a poor person or a needy person, and think she's preparing him to be a king. And so all of these people will influence will come and they will speak on their behalf, but yet the poor person will have no one of influence to speak on their behalf. And she's saying to this king, I literally want you, the king, to speak up on behalf of the ones that don't have a voice. Today in America, there's no greater number of individuals that don't have a voice than those that are in the womb. Who's going to speak up for all the ones in the womb that if they could speak up, they would say, I would choose to live. Who's going to speak up for them? Or when we go over and and we look in uh, James, the first chapter in verse 27, you remember what pure religion, undefiled before the Father is this? What is it? It's to go and visit. In other words, go with open eyes to help the needs of who? The needs of the widow and the orphans. In other words, there may be widows that may not even be in poverty, but they may have needs because of their situation in life. Who is it that's going to speak up for them? Now, I'm so thankful to know that some of our most helpful people to our widows are our young people. And I hope you realize that that's so much more than just a service project, but that is a service project that fulfills the law of God. You need to realize that you're doing something God commanded. We need to reach out to orphans. 
to the ones that are needy, the ones that don't have a voice. And we need to be the ones that, that speaks up for them and helps supply their needs. And again, we need to start that kind of action, that kind of lifestyle, that kind of hab- those kind of habits and that kind of behavior when we're young. When we think about Matthew, the 25th chapter, and I'll recall in your mind, you remember that's the scene of judgment day. And there are those that hear uh, well done and enter in, except they can't figure out exactly how they helped Jesus in this way. And it was those that, that Jesus helped and finally said, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And you remember what those people did? They went to those that were hungry and fed them, thirsty and gave them drink. They went to those that were in prison and those that were sick and visited them. They gave strangers a place to stay. And they gave those that were naked clothing. Do you see what that list is? That list is made up of individuals that have needs. Individuals that sometimes are in poverty. And here in Proverbs, the 31st chapter, he says, My mother taught me this when I was young. She taught me to be one that speaks up and speaks on behalf of others that do not have a voice. Hopefully, next Sunday, we can take these three points and build right from here onto the fourth point that is this. As we go to that next slide, notice the one at the bottom. To embrace the kind of woman which embodies worth. Now, much more of this chapter, if we were to take the volume of writing, is spent upon this. But really, what the mother did was she said to her son, at least what he's recorded here, she says, I want to cover four things with you. The last thing must be so important that he says, now, I've got a lot to say about this one. And so next time, we'll have a lot more to say about this one. But the first three are this. Stay away from the women that can destroy your life. Stay away from the drink that can destroy your life. Move to the actions that build a life of integrity. Speak up for those that can't speak up for themselves. And then finally, make sure that you find a partner. Guys and girls, find a partner. It's going to be exactly what God would want your partner to be. You've got to have that plan. Tonight, no matter where we are in life, we all ought to have a plan to say, I want to go to heaven. I want to be God's child now. And whenever my time comes to step over into eternity, I want to spend that eternal life with God the Father. Is that your plan? Is it a plan that that you're faithful and you're loyal to God to fulfill that plan in your life? If you've never become a Christian, tonight would be a wonderful time to give your life over to Christ. As a believer, willing to repent of sins and confess before men, won't you be baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins? Maybe you've become a child of God. Maybe you've lost the way. Maybe your feet have gone down pathways that God wouldn't want you to go down. The good news is God always has a path leading back to Him. You can repent. You can confess sin. You can pray forgiveness. Let's make sure that as we leave here tonight that we're very intentional, that we're faithful, that we're dedicated to living a life for our God. He's done so much for us. It's only by His grace that we can be saved. But the response to that grace, Romans the fifth chapter, is by our faith. 
Are you faithful? If we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing. Days 